So we're going to carry on looking at these questions Jesus asked. We've run out of the ones on the screen, so we're going to come up with some more. Um, there's loads. There's loads and loads. And I want to dive into, um, I actually want to look at three questions Jesus asked this morning, but it's all in the same area, looking at um, what Jesus has to say about prayer, um, how we pray, what do we expect when we pray, like how persevering are we in prayer? And I guess like the super, it, this, I guess it's pretty simple, isn't it? The bottom line is for all of us, like, okay, we're Christians, we're kind of following Jesus. We get that prayer is probably a good thing that we ought to be doing, that we should be doing. We get, we kind of, we get that it's a good thing, right? We might have a cerebral agreement that, yes, praying is good and works, um, but probably most of us, myself included, if we're honest, we'd say, actually, we don't always find it super easy. Actually, we don't always find it, um, yeah, we, we find it tough sometimes. And I want to say, and I hope you know this, that every single Sunday, but particularly this Sunday, like we are always kind of, preaching from here, um, from being in the trenches with you. And honestly, uh, honest answers, prayer is not a super strong place for me. So in, in one way, I feel very disqualified from speaking about it. I don't feel like this is me speaking on prayer from a place of real strength and authority. Um, honestly, I find it tough. Um, so I just kind of put that out there. I am absolutely kind of with you in this journey, preaching to myself as much as anyone else this morning. And the, the other thing to acknowledge is we could literally do months worth of a whole series on prayer. This is going to barely scratch the surface. Um, but I just want to kick out a couple of thoughts, a couple of ideas um, for how we kind of move forward. And the, I guess the big thing is, particularly because, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm like, gosh, I don't do prayer well. Like, I'm, you know, I kind of start and I stop and I have a go and then I pull back. And like, it just isn't always a strong not a place for me. But when Jesus is asking these questions, I, I know I've said this before, but I want to remind us, when Jesus is asking these questions, we need to not hear them with him sort of hovering over us with a wagging finger, you know, must do better. Um, he honestly asks us those questions with an open hand. Say, hey, come on, can you come walk with me? Come with me and let's walk into something new. So just when we're kind of unpacking all of this, just remember that it's not the wagging finger, it's the open hand. Hey, Sarah, come, come walk with me, come journey with me in prayer. Yeah, otherwise we can get so caught up with that ought to do better, should try harder, on all those other kind of things. So I'm just going to put that out there as a bottom line. Is that all right? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that, um, thank you, that you invite us into relationship. Thank you that you invite us into um, a story and you invite us into a journey. And thank you, God, that you're absolutely unchangingly faithful in it. So wherever we find ourselves this morning in our journey with prayer, God, our heart is that we'd move forward. Our heart is that we'd go again. Um, and our heart is that we'd know you more, we'd be more like you as a result. So would you come help us, we say, in your name. Amen. Alrighty. Here's the first thing, and really this is what I kind of want to gather everything around this morning, is I want us to understand that we need to have a value for prayer and a discipline for prayer. We need to have both of those two things. Because like what I want is for this, for me as an individual and for us as a church family, like I honestly want this to become a cultural norm for us, that we don't have kind of seasons of pray although we will you know we're going to have that again we're going to have a season of prayer and fasting pray first coming up in october and it's really good to do that kind of together isn't it? have really focused times and so like we're going to do that like i want us to have seasons of prayer and we're specifically going to go after it but the really the cultural norm i i really want is that actually this is a lifestyle it's not kind of like an occasional in and out. It honestly is a, is a lifestyle thing. And if that's where we want to get to, then we have got to have a value and a discipline for prayer. And I think sometimes we maybe just have one or the other. Um, and it really isn't. We need both of those things. Because, you know, there's, there are a ton of different models of prayer. There's loads of different frameworks and suggestions. And, and, and those things, I think, can be super helpful. Um, but ultimately, any any framework I have, any kind of, routine or habits or practices 
in any area of life, but, but in prayer, particularly this morning, that is ultimately, I think, probably going to run the risk of drifting into empty religious duty, you know, out of you know, obligation, um, if I've lost sight of or I've never really understood the value of prayer and who I'm praying to. Right? So we need, to, we need to understand the value in order for the discipline that we need to have to make sense. But the reverse is true, right? If I say I value something, then I'm going to put some discipline around it to, to protect that value, for that value to grow, for that value to be realized. So if I say I value something, but there is no result in discipline in, in, in kind of looking after that value, I probably need to refocus on the value because I probably don't value it as much as I say I do if there's zero discipline attached to it. Does that make sense? So I want to have both. I really want us to have a value for prayer and I really want to challenge us, myself included, we need to get more disciplined in prayer. And it comes because we have an expectation that actually this does make a difference. I have a hope and I have an expectation that this is going to make a difference for me, for other people, for situations around me. That's the value in it. And so it's absolutely worth attaching some discipline to it. It's It's like going to the gym, right? The goal in going to the gym is not that I can tick off that three times a week I have been disciplined and attended a place of exercise and done some exercise, right? The, the goal isn't the discipline. So when I'm talking about value and discipline, let's be really careful. I don't want the value to be a tick box exercise. I have attended the gym three times this week, right? That is the discipline, but the value is health. Actually, I value health. I, I value the fact that fitness is a good thing. I value the fact that God has given us amazing bodies, but we kind of need to take care of them, right? That's the value. And because I value that, I'm actually going to have some discipline about what I do with it. And, the, you know, there's multiple times you sit, I sit in the car park at the gym just going, oh, I can't be bothered. I don't want to. It's kind of that get out the car moment. It, but, it's, but it's like, I know I, I, do, I value this. Like, things are better if I do this. Therefore, I'm going to be disciplined. But, the, but my goal is not, oh, I'm going to tick off, I've been to the gym three times this week. The, the goal I'm going after is actually I'm fitter and healthier, right? That's, the discipline isn't the end goal. So that's the first thing I want to say. You having kind of boxed off, I have prayed for 15 minutes every day for the last month. That's not the goal. That's the discipline that will help you reach a goal that is actually, I've heard God's voice more than I ever have. I'm more aware of his heart than I ever have. I've seen his hand move in situations that I really didn't think were possible, because I was disciplined and faithful in prayer. But we need to make sure we keep the goal as a value, not the discipline as the goal, and get those things muddled. Does that make sense, right? So that's the, that's the thing. We need to be super careful. The goal is not, I have ticked off how many times I've prayed this week. But the thing is, you know, my, my life, the life with Jesus isn't in the disciplined things that I do, in prayer, in fasting, in giving, in reading the Bible. Like, that, the life isn't in those things in and of themselves, but those things create structure to protect and nurture the life that is me walking and abiding with Jesus. And that's where the fruit comes. But some discipline and some structure is going to be needed if we say we value prayer. And this is it. The value of prayer is this, that you and I get to connect and communicate with this unchanging, faithful God who is consistently changing me, thank Jesus, and bringing change to situations around me, that his kingdom is going to come in me and his kingdom is going to come through me. That's the value. So if we want a why on earth would I pray, it's that, is that you get to connect with and communicate with, you get to speak to, you get to listen to the eternal, unchanging God. And so then everything changes. That's the goal, that's the value, and prayer brings us into that process. You know, God is absolutely committed to partnering with you and I. 
Like, honestly, I'm like, God, it would be so much simpler. Just bypass us, because we just absolutely blow it all the time. <laughs> just park us to one side and you just do your thing. But that isn't the way he's done it. Like, God is absolutely committed to partnering with us. His kingdom comes in us, his kingdom comes through us. That's the way he's designed it. And prayer is an essential element in how we kind of partner with him in those things. So we have to keep hold of both those things. I have a value for prayer, and because of that, I'm gonna have a discipline for it. So let's have a look at, that's my intro. But if I hold on to that, a value and a discipline. Let's have a look at these three questions. So if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna Luke 11 to start off with. Luke 11, verse nine to 13. And Jesus says this, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Here come the questions. Which of you fathers or mothers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the question. When I approach God in prayer, have I got that question in mind from Jesus? How much more does God want to do than actually what I'm coming to ask? Like, honest disclosure time, I don't think I very often come praying like that at all. I think I come with a bare minimum of expectation. Maybe he might do a bit of what I'm asking. But Jesus is saying here, hey, how much more is this good father going to give good things to those of us who ask? Like that, that, would, that would change how I approach prayer, to have that in mind. How much more do you want to do, God, than actually I've got faith for? How much more do you want to do than actually I can see or imagine? How much more does he want to do? And because the value is in, and here's the thing, value and discipline. The value that I want to pull out in this bit of Jesus is talking about is that actually it's a connection with a good father. And connection with him brings us security, it brings provision, it brings um, direction, so much more than we can ask, think, or dare to imagine. It says that in Ephesians, right? How much more? How much better is God than we think? How much more of a good father is he than we realize right now? So much more. So the value of them when we come in prayer is actually we, we begin to see that. There's how much more. But the discipline is that actually, do you know what? I do it and I'm going to keep on doing it. So in verse 9, where it says, ask and it will be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. The Greek word that's used there, the verb, is a continuous, future continuous tense. Grammar is not my forte. Basically, it, it, what it means is a, a more accurate translation is ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek, keep going in your seeking and ultimately you will receive what you're asking, seeking and knocking for. Right? The discipline is that I pray and I keep on going. I'm going to really be persistent in this. But that, that discipline, not just that I pray, that I ask, seek, knock, but that I keep doing that, actually, the, the discipline comes because I value. There's a good father who's saying, Sarah, how much more? How much more does he want to do than actually I've got faith for? So if we're struggling to ask and keep on asking, rather than, and this is the thing I want to say, rather than, and this is where my default position is, well, I just must do better. I just need to try harder. Come on, Sarah, just shake yourself. Just do more. Actually, maybe I need to step back and say, actually, how big a view of God's goodness have I got? Actually, how sure am I that he is the perfect father we've sung about this morning? How much... Have I realized that? I love that line in that song. It says, time and time again, you show me. Because here's the deal. I need him to show me time and time again because I forget. I get distracted. I let other things come in the way. 
Time and time again, he wants to show us he is a perfect father who wants to provide, who wants to bring breakthrough, who wants to bring radical change in us and around us. But he wants us to really go walk with him. But rather than just come on, try harder, just take a step back. Say, Jesus, show me that value again of you as a good father. Let me have confidence that you've got good things for me. That when I ask, you're not going to trip me up. You're not going to give me something that's going to cause me pain or disappointment. You've got your good father, you've got good things if I ask. So that value and discipline comes together. So ask God, help me with that value. Maybe for some of us that's the deal. It's like, God, I don't know how confident I am that you're a good father. Show me, help me. It's not, I remember um, a couple of years ago now, I was diving in and out of Romans 8, which as you know is my happy place. And um, I read this really famous verse. You know, where Paul says, I'm convinced that neither life or death, neither height nor depth, neither past nor present, nor, all, nor anything. He's like, I'm convinced there is nothing all of creation that can separate me from his love. And I remember one of those rare moments when you kind of like something drops into my head and I really felt like God say, Sarah, you spend your whole life trying to convince yourself that I love you. And, if you, and I was kind of, so I was like, you know, when you're sort of kind of mulling it, I was like, actually, that, think about me as a mum, way imperfect earthly mum. It would be madness for me to expect Luke and Abby to persuade themselves. You guys convince yourselves that I love you. Like, that's my job, right? If there's one thing I can do and commit myself to. It's absolutely convincing my kids and showing them whatever way I can that I love them and for them. That is my job. But somehow in my relationship with God, I'd taken on the role of, I need to convince myself that God loves me. Listen, I've tried, I tried for 35 plus years of walking with Jesus. It doesn't work. Actually, it's about stepping back. And, I can't convince myself of that, but God, would you show me? He's so faithful. How much more? We come with such a little faith and little expectation. Listen, that's okay. Because God's saying, how much more have I got? He wants to persuade us, convince us that he's a good father, has good things for us. And therefore, we can be disciplined and persistent in prayer. Let's jump on in Luke, Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. So I've got another question. Jesus told his parables, um, a disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a window in that t- uh, widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time the judge refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Here's the question, verse 7. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is a brilliant parable. Thing to be really, really clear about, right? This unjust judge is not what God is like, right? He's, he's using this as a comparison. The unjust judge, basically, essentially, here's what's happening, is that this widow is coming with a need, with a situation. We don't know what. And she's coming asking for justice, and she's coming again and again. So the first thing that tells us is, listen, that's, we can come to God with what we need, We can come to God with situations where we're facing things which are unfair and are not right and we need to see things change. We can come and ask him. And he's a good judge, not an unjust judge. But essentially, it's it's really the paraphrase version of what the the judge is saying is, this woman is doing my head in, so just I'll give her what she wants just so she'll go away. He says, not because I care about people and not because I fear God, not for any other motive other than she's doing my head in. Enough already. 
It's like the toddler who's like, can I have a biscuit? Can I have a biscuit? Can I have a biscuit? And then we're just like, whatever, have the whole packet. Just stop bothering me. We've never done that, obviously. God's not like that. He's a good father. That isn't his heart towards us. This kind of, oh my goodness, would you, enough already, Sarah. Just have it so you go away. Jesus is using this parable to be super, super clear. Listen, an unjust judge is like that. We need to put this one together with the other one that is actually, he's a good father. How much more is he actually gonna bring justice for his chosen ones? And by the way, that is you and I. Ephesians tells us before the creation of the world, God loved us and chose us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. You are his chosen ones. So Jesus' question here is a rhetorical question which he answers straight away. He's like, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting it off? No. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then he asks, then there's another question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Like faith is sometimes coming like that widow, persistently asking again and again and again. That's the faith that God, I think, is looking for. Prayer is actually a way that we express and walk in faith, asking for the things that we don't see. But the point, again, in this is actually about persistence, right? In the end, even the, you know, the human unjust judge relents. How much more is God as a good father? And the, the point here, I think, honestly, is, is about persistence, which I think is both a discipline and a value. So if we're thinking about prayer and the value for prayer and a discipline for prayer, persistence is absolutely a discipline, right? It is that I'm going to grip my teeth and I'm just going to keep going. But it's actually a value in and of itself as well. We need to have that. Have you, there's a brilliant book. Um, I love the title of it. Eugene Peterson's written it um, called We Need Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Right? That's our Christian walk. It's actually we just keep going, but we, we, we need to not hear that that is a kind of a relentless kind of boot march, just like on and on and on and on. But actually there is a point that walking with Jesus is, it requires commitment, it requires persistence. And that is what faith looks like. It's that, do you know what, I'm gonna keep doing my thing because I trust God's with me. And that is what he's looking for. But we need to have a really high, we have a really high value, right? That God changes things. And we see both these things in the Bible. Actually, God is the God of dramatic breakthrough. Mark's gospel particularly uses this word suddenly all the time. Suddenly this happened and suddenly the other. And I believe God can change things in a moment. And we've seen him do it, like just sudden transformation in a moment. Because he's God, he's that good, he's that powerful. He can do it in a moment. But you know what, I have a really high value that sometimes he does it in the process. And I will learn stuff in the process that I wouldn't in the breakthrough, in the suddenly moment. Right? We need to have both of those things. And persistence will do something in us. That need to kind of persist and contend in prayer will strengthen something in us that we wouldn't get if God instantly answered every prayer the moment we prayed it. But because he's a good God, we can trust him. Actually, so the times when he answers in a moment is because he knows that's what's best for me. The times when he answers it in a process and it goes longer than I thought and it comes a different way than I thought, it's because he's a good God and he knows what's good for me. He's on my side. So we need to understand, for us as kind of believers of Jesus, persistence is a, and perseverance, it's a discipline, but it actually is a value in itself. Listen to this in James 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Right, Having to pray and keep on praying for things where we don't see immediate answer, that is a testing of our faith. 
Like, let's just be honest about it. Actually, okay, God, are you, you, know, are you who you say you are? Are you going to do what you said you're going to do? Like, there is a, there's a testing and a challenge to our faith. But verse 4 says this. This testing of our faith produces perseverance. And it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, we talk about maturity a lot around here. If you've been hanging out with us for any length of time, you know that's our goal. Actually, that we would measure up and we would become mature. So the value of persevering in prayer is actually that I am changed, that I become mature. I become mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds like a good place to get to. But what James is saying is, listen, there's times when there's actually this struggle, there's testing, there's trials. There's, and when you're doing that, actually it develops perseverance in you. And the work of perseverance, the end fruit of us persevering in prayer as much as in anything else is actually that we become mature and complete. Because sometimes I think we, can, you know, we think that prayer is about coming with a list of things that we want to see God change, of situations we want to see him move in. And that's right. But listen, we need to really, really remember, but God is just as interested in changing me as he is the situations around me. And that that is process, that requires perseverance. Prayer is as much about my communication, my connection with God, where I am changed, absolutely as much as it is with anything else that he might change around me. And so there's, there's actually a part of persevering in prayer that we should actually embrace and be thankful for because like, you know, this is one of the ways that I'm gonna get mature. And I I think I would be as bold as to say, I don't think we're going to become mature without those times of testing, of struggle, where we need to persevere. But it does require some discipline in those moments, because it's easy just to say, oh, sack it, enough. But it actually requires, listen, it requires commitment and perseverance and intentionality to become mature. How many of you know we're going to get old without making, making any effort, right? That is just happening. We're going to get old with making no effort. We're not going to become mature without effort and intentionality, commitment, discipline, perseverance. Yes, I believe in the suddenly breakthrough of God, but I really believe in those other things as well. And the, the, So our prayer, coming from a right view of God, he is a good God, he is just, he is a good judge, he's a perfect father who has good things for his kids. We have that right view of God, therefore, that fuels my persistence in prayer and lifts my expectations. How much more? But, and it will keep us from getting stuck in kind of fruitless, dreary religious duty, which Jesus came to save us from, and we so often settle for again. But it really is, persisting in prayer is a really important element, I think, in us becoming mature. And that's the goal. That's where we're heading. Okay, last question. Matthew 26. This is just before Jesus is arrested, and he's in Gethsemane, and he knows what's coming. And he knows the weight of it, and he's so aware of what it's going to cost him. And so he goes to Gethsemane with um, some of his disciples to pray. It says this in verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away for a second time and prayed, Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them again sleeping because their eyes were heavy, so he left them. Went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Here's the question Jesus asks. So he's asking them to come and watch with him, pray with him. The question is, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? 
The answer to which is no, because he fell asleep. And the reason Jesus says this is this understanding that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the value we need to pull out is understanding, listen, prayer is a spiritual exercise. And it's not always easy because our, our flesh is, is weak. On one level, another way is almost like, actually, our flesh is noisy. Our flesh can distract us. You know, at a spiritual level, we're like, yeah, I, I want to... I want to pray, like I want to connect with God. I want to hear his voice. I want to see his kingdom come, but there's just so many other things. I'm tired, I'm anxious, I'm confused, I'm distracted by this, I want to watch Netflix. I need to, like, there's all these other things going on that actually can often drown out the spirit. So the discipline here is actually about, it's coming back to this alignment, which I've talked about a lot, is actually we need to live spirit first. And first and foremost, like, how can my spirit connect with God's spirit? And understand that at times that means I need to, still my body it means I need to hush my mind my brain just doesn't stop I need to deal with distractions and step away so actually I can enter into that place where I can really meet with God the problem is that we often we let off the flesh part of us which isn't wrong in any way like actually having emotions and thoughts and and a will like those that's good God's made us with all those things and they're valid but they don't get to be the boss um, we need to come um, you know sometimes we can let those things be the boss and then wonder why maybe our prayer life isn't super great to deal with distractions. That's why I think one of, one of the practices in Matthew 6, another area where Jesus is talking about prayer, he says, you know, when you pray, go to your room, shut the door. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't pray in the car, walking the dog. Of course, it doesn't mean that. But I think what he's going after is there is a value at times when we need to deal with distractions and really focus. So whatever that looks like for you. For some of you, it actually might be going outdoors and, and being in the park. It almost certainly means moving your phone out of the way. But it's like, actually, what does it mean to kind of actually turn aside and really focus in with intention so that's like this there's a value and a discipline in prayer that we've got to grab hold of and like it's it's an obvious message we're like yes it's an obvious one we'd all say yes to but the, the honestly we don't always find it easy so i just want to kick out a couple of ideas and say okay well, what if there is a real value in in kind of praying and connecting to god what stops us and what might help us and the, the thing I want to say this is wherever you find yourself, I know many of you are just incredible in your prayer lives. And, and, and one of the things I want to say is, why, is let's learn from each other. Like, tell me what works for you. Tell me what helps for you. Tell me what hasn't worked. Kind of share ideas. But the thing is, let's all agree to start somewhere. Let's, let's do something. I remember a couple of years ago, Abby was speaking and talking about this kind of whole thing about going to a friend's house who's like needed to sort out their room and it was a complete bombsite and there's almost that kind of, I don't even know where to start and it's so awful. This is kind of what our basement is like right now. We're about to have someone come and live in our basement and it's like full of junk. You just think, and we keep putting it off. We keep putting it off. It's mostly Bill's junk. Just putting that out there. Um, But it's honestly, it's a bit like, where do we even start? And so we just keep, because it's downstairs, we don't have to see it. The thing is, listen, just start somewhere. I'm going to start with that corner, those boxes. Just, just start somewhere, try something, right? So let's not overcomplicate this whole prayer thing. Let's just say, okay, prayer is valuable. God's a good God. How much more has he got that I may be not accessing um, because I, I've, I'm not really stepped into prayer? And let's say, okay, I'm going to start somewhere. I'm going to try something. And if that doesn't work, I'll try something else. And, but I'm, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to persist in it. So here's a couple of things that um, I've found helpful in, in terms of how we might be able to move forward. How about this? Worship and prayer. Put those things together, not keep them separate. Look up first. 
That really helps me kind of connect with God. So read a psalm, put some worship music on, kind of take some time not to just come with kind of the need and, the, and the, what, I, what I want to say to God, but actually come first to God and worship and praise. I remember, I think it's Bill Johnson was saying, actually, if he has an hour of prayer, he'll spend the first 50 minutes in worship. Actually, let's put those two things together. Actually, because that it opens our eyes, it lifts our eyes again to actually the one that we're praying to, and that, that's the most important thing. It's who we're praying to, not the, the way that we pray. So worship first, because here's the thing, you know, my, I need to not rest on my faithfulness and effectiveness in prayer. Actually, I rest on the faithfulness of the one I'm praying to. And this is what Jesus is going after, I think, when he's saying, listen, how much more is this good, perfect Father in heaven? How much more has he got for us? So start off, fix your eyes on him. Let's worship, let's praise, and then pray. Second is, is understand the value of prayer and testimony. This is why every week we put out prayer and testimony cards. Because if, and the thing is, if you don't have, if you don't have maybe a, a, a backstory, a long history of times when you know God's answered prayer, pinch someone else's. Start with someone else's, it's totally valid. I, like, I wanna reap the benefit of a breakthrough that you've had. I want my faith to be strengthened by the time you've seen God answer prayer for you. Use testimony, as that, because again, it focuses in on God is faithful. He really does answer prayer. He really does change me. He really does change situations. And, we, and see that in the lives of other people. Third thing is this, be really okay with not knowing how or what to pray. It says it in Romans 8. Actually, we don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit in us helps. So be okay with, I don't really know how to pray necessarily, but know the Holy Spirit wants to help you. So if in that situation, three things that might help. If you don't know what to pray, pray what God's already said. Pray the Bible, pray the word of God. Psalms are brilliant for this. The apostolic prayers, there's eight or nine in the, in the New Testament where, where Paul says, I am praying for. I you know, we love praying Ephesians 3 over ourselves, don't we? Actually, that we would come to really know for ourselves through personal experience the love that has, God has for us. Like pray what's in the Bible. Pray the prayers in the Bible. I love praying Psalm 91 over a person, over a situation. It's amazing, right? So pray what God's already said. Secondly, pray what others have prayed. I actually, I, and again, this might helps me, it might not help you. I actually love reading old prayer, like old, old, you know, hundreds, thousands. There's something for me, you know, when you're in a, you know, a thousand year old church and you're like, there are people, who are saints who have prayed and worshiped and loved God in this place for centuries. Like, I love it, it really, it moves me. And I actually, I love praying the prayers of other people. Um, so again, use someone else's prayers, it can be super helpful. Third thing, pray in tongues. This, I'm aware this is a whole other area we could talk about, but one of the things that Paul says is that prayer tongues is like a, a heavenly language, okay? So it's not English, it's, and the thing about it is what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says is that when I pray in tongues, he's like, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Now, again, this might just be me, but honestly, my brain never stops. Like my head never shuts up, it's infuriating. So I find a real, actually, it really helps me actually to pray in tongues because it does just like sh shush my mind. And actually, I don't, I don't necessarily know what I'm praying, but listen, it is a gift that God gives by his Holy Spirit. It, and I think we can all receive that gift. Um, and it actually really helps, it helps me um, actually in praying. Like, I don't know necessarily what to pray, but like anything else, that it is a gift that you need to exercise, that you need to kind of practice and get stronger in. But so all of that to say, listen, be okay with not necessarily knowing how or what to pray. So 
Pray what God said, pray the Bible, pray what other people have said, and pray in tongues. In all of this, listen, be really, really clear. What counts is not the words that come out of your mouth, it's the position of your heart. Right, Jesus says it again in Matthew 6, he's like, in this whole bit where he says, go away, shut yourself in the room. He's like, do not be babbling on like the pagans do. It doesn't matter. God is not concerned with how articulate your prayer language is. He's actually just wanting to know where your heart's at. Like, that's what really matters. So pressure off. On one level, it doesn't matter the words that come out of your mouth. It just matters that you come. Next thing, listen. It's more important what I hear than, that, than what I say. Now again, that's super obvious, right? But it, we can forget it so often, is that we come to God talking, 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 and we forget to listen. He's got so much he wants to say to us, and actually that's such a beautiful part of our prayer life, is that I listen as much as I speak. Something that might help you is actually to get super practical. So I'm, like, as much as I'm, I'm, and I'm saying we need to not just have discipline for discipline's sake, I actually really like lists and apps and like I really like those things those help me right so I have an app on my phone um, which has been developed by the guys at 24 7 prayer called in a room and so you can set up prayer lists so specific things that I'm praying for and reminders you know to actually so one might praying for a friend who's kind of going through a cancer journey and I knew when her medical appointments were and it so and then you can just set for how many minutes a day you want and it will just kind of you know, for a minute, minute and a half, like, right, pray for these people now, and here's the things to be praying for. Pray for this person now. It, listen, it just helps me, because to be honest, I have a head like a sieve, and I'm, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'll be praying for that, and I mean it in the moment, it literally falls out of my head 10 minutes later. So I find that super helpful, just as a way of focusing, right, okay, I'm gonna hit that button, and I'm gonna pray, I'm just gonna go after these things for 15 minutes. There's loads of those sort of things around, so it may be something super practical like that, really helps, and again, Remember, the life isn't in the structure, but the structure can help the life that we're going after. So maybe that will help. Um, but wherever it is, like deal with distractions, right? So think about where and when and how you pray in a way that is you're not going to be distracted. Final thing I want to say is this. I want us to have, a, in this whole value for prayer, understanding it's about connecting with God, I want, to, I want to say that we need to have those places of the inner room and we need to also be abiding. What do I mean by that? There are times when it is a step aside. Go to your room, shut the door. I'm gonna, I am praying now. I'm focused. That's all I'm doing, right? And there's absolutely a biblical mandate for that. But there's other times where, like Paul says, you know, pray unceasingly. Like, so I don't, I don't think that means that we should be straight away in our bedrooms praying 24-7 because like, there's other stuff that we need to do. But there's got to be something that we understand that actually it's both and. It's not just I shut myself away, I've prayed for 15 minutes, job done. I've done my praying for the day. There's actually also something where we're actually abiding in Jesus, which is what he invites us into. So actually all the time, it's kind of like I'm going about, but I've got an ear to heaven all the time. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And just like that to and fro conversation all the time. Both of those things, um, but absolutely. So it's that ongoing, God wants to talk to us and hear from us and walk with us wherever we find ourselves, in all the things that we put our hands to, but as well having a value for, do you know what, there's times when I need to park everything, I need to step aside, and I need to intentionally just focus in on him. So it's another one of those, both ands, not either or, we need to do both. So here's the thing, we, I, want us to, I want us to hold on to a, absolutely having a discipline, making choices, getting into healthy habits and routines and rhythms of prayer, absolutely. But alongside that, being re-envisioned to actually having a real value for prayer. Having an expectation that, you know, when James writes to the early church, like he honestly wasn't messing. When he said the prayer of a righteous man, woman, child 
is powerful, is effective. Like, he really, like, that is the word of God. It really is. It was not messing with us. Like, actually, our prayers really do make a difference. Like, we really are changed when we meet and we're connected with God. And situations around us really do change when we pray and we persist and we keep going in prayer. But we need to, so we need to, I want us to have a, I suppose it's that lifting our expectation again. It's like, do you know what? How much more does God want to do? And he's just waiting for us to really lean in in prayer. How much more has he got for you and has he got to do through you? But actually prayer is really going to be a part of it. But in all of it, it's one final quote. This is Max Lucado who writes this about prayer. He says, our prayers may be awkward. Mine often are. Our attempts may be feeble. Mine often are. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it, and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I could have just said that probably, couldn't I? <laughs> Pressure off, right? It's clunky, it's awkward, like it's not always easy, but it's worth it because the one we're praying to is absolutely faithful. So, why don't you stand? We're gonna pray for each other. Some of you maybe, um, I, I want to ask you to just kind of take a moment to reflect. Actually, what, what do you more need God to help you? Is it with the value or is it with the discipline? Um, you don't have to tell anyone, but just kind of just acknowledge that. Actually, what is it? Actually, do I need God to convince me again that he's my good father, he has good things for me, and he's going to hear and answer my prayers? Is it the value and the power of prayer that you need actually to God to help you with? Or is it actually the discipline? Like actually, what does it really look like to take hold of that and to make that a norm? Make it a cultural lifestyle. This is just how I do life. Which of the, and, and maybe for some of us it's like, actually both of those, please. Um, but whatever it is, just let's just take a moment and ask God to help us with that. God, we wanna to come to you um, acknowledging that you're God, that you're good, that you are kind, you are just, you're patient, and that you're faithful. Thank you, God, that you are a perfect father. And Father, I pray that you would help us to become a people of prayer. God, would, I pray this would be something that gets stronger in each of us. Thank you, God, that there is no condemnation for any of us who are in Jesus. So wherever, however successful or unsuccessful we feel like we've been in our prayer before, thank you that um, we can start again, we can go again, and you want to call us into deeper relationship, stronger connection, and just, just amazing communication with you. God, what, I ask that you would... Um, yeah, just help us to realize that we get to communicate with the eternal God. Thank you, God, that you want to hear what we have to say. And thank you, God, that you have things you want to say back to us. So, Father, I ask that you'd help all of us. God, help me, help us um, to be stronger, to be more persistent, to have more expectation, to have more hope. Come and strengthen our prayer lives, we say. God, and we say that in everything that you ask us to do, um, God, we need your help, and we thank you that you always come alongside. So God, give us ideas. Help us to make space. But help us to do that all from a place of knowing that you're good. Um, so God, yeah, I just speak over every heart here. You're just that your, your promise, your invitation that you're a good God and that when we come to you asking for something, you're not going to give us something that's going to hurt or harm or disappoint. Or God, you have good things for us. Thank you, God, that you, you see our hearts, you hear our prayers, and you answer. So, Jesus, we ask um, just help us in this whole area, we pray.
Come and bring strength where there's been weakness. Come and bring hope where there's been disappointment. God, come and help us be disciplined. Because we see you and we understand that the inheritance we have, the promises that are available to us. So help us. God, we readily acknowledge the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, So would you come help us? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're on the prayer team this morning, I'd love you to come make yourself available. Um, and I would, if there's, there are things specifically, I feel like specifically there's some people who maybe there's things that you've been praying for for a long time. So that whole thing about persevering in prayer is tough. And you're like, yeah, that testing of your faith while you're praying for something in the long haul is difficult. We'd really love to stand with you and pray with you this morning. Um, one final thing. I felt like when I was kind of praying this morning, um, just this whole thing about talking about using fitness as an analogy. Um, I felt like God say that there's someone here who actually that whole idea of exercise and, and being healthy and fitness and stuff, it brings up a really painful memory. Something about being at school, I feel like it's in kind of PE in a changing room, something like that, that actually that it really triggers something in you, that, that whole area of health and fitness and sport and stuff. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody at all, but I'm just going to put it out there trying to listen to what God's saying. Actually, that if for you it's like there is a painful memory associated with that whole thing, um, I really feel like Jesus wants to meet you this morning. So if that's you, please, please, please come and find me or one of these guys. We'd love to pray with you because I feel like God wants to, um, he wants to heal something around that for you.